0: Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? Thanks for joining us, all you powerful parents. We appreciate you investing your time in becoming a better spouse and parent today. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by The Voice of the Martyrs helping those in countries hostile to our gospel for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. Check them out. And MyPillow. MyPillow MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on a four-pack of pillows. All right, Rebels, I have some questions for you. What do you do when you find out you have cancer? Now, what happens when you find out you have cancer and then you find your husband has been unfaithful and fallen back into addiction? Do you tell anyone? What if all this is true and you also run a large international ministry? Then do you tell anyone? What about telling everyone? And staying with your husband, working through your problems, and coming out stronger than ever? All this and more on today's broadcast featuring the amazingly wonderful Lisa Turkhurst, president of Proverbs 31 Ministries. Proverbs31.org is their website. No more hiding, no more secrets, just bold help for the parents out there. And as our rebel parenting statement goes, you don't have to get divorced. Let's get to it. Here is our friend Lisa Turkhurst on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Oh, Rebels, we are here early this morning. We've got Lisa Turkhurst on the phone. What a pleasure. My goodness. I can't believe it. Lisa, thank you so much. I know your schedule is crazy, but I appreciate you coming on the broadcast today. Absolutely. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you so much. You know what? Let's just jump in. Some of us know your story, but you're being really honest, really vulnerable in a time where I feel like most of us are hiding from the truth and you've decided to take a bold step for truth. So let's just dive in and hear part of your story.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'll say there's a big difference between privacy and secrecy. Mm-hmm. Secrecy is for the purpose of hiding, but privacy is for the purpose of healing. So while I am being vulnerable with my story, I am keeping private certain details. And I think we all have to evaluate our, our own personal threshold for vulnerability. But what I know God has called me to do is, not to share enough of my story to satisfy people's curiosity but to share enough of my story and my family's story so that people lean in harder toward the faithfulness of God and that's really my desire in this and and honestly it's art's desire as well you know and i think sometimes people think i'm the courageous one but if we're real honest the part of the story i have to carry is not nearly as difficult as the part of the story he has to carry and so the real courageous one I believe is art but Mm. our story started to unravel about three years ago almost three years ago to this exact week where I found out he was having an affair and he'd gotten caught up in some substance abuse that was just not a typical part of our world Mm. and I was shocked beyond what I could even express to you. And sometimes when I tell the story, you know, for the sake of time, I list off these facts and, you know, it sounds more like events that happened when in reality, this was an unraveling of everything I loved the most in I'm my sure. life. Yeah. And sure. so it was devastating on many, many levels. Mm. Yeah. But um, that started us on a pretty horrific journey of a three-year battle sometimes I was battling for my very life during the three years not only did Art and I separate so we lived apart for two and a half years and there weren't straight lines it it wasn't like okay I found out he was having an affair and then there was complete repentance and then we started the journey of restoration and everything was on the upward trajectory from there that's that's not the way it happened there were so many back and forth and ups Mm -hmm. and downs and Mm. I appreciate you saying
0: that part of it too, Lisa, because so often when we hear a story, it is definitely painted that way. I found out, and then we decided we were going to battle this together, and then everything worked out fine. And that's not the way that it goes. It's not the way that it ever goes. It really doesn't. And the honesty, I think, is allowing so many more people to examine their own story and to look into their own lives and to say, we're real human beings, we go through real things. And also the distinction between privacy and secrecy is so important. I mean, goodness, Laura and I are experiencing that all the time. You know, Laura's been through cancer, and we've talked about it a little bit on air, and sometimes we have to be really, really private about what we're going through. We just appreciate it so much. This is It's just fascinating to have you on here today.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, and you know, there were big chunks of time where I didn't think that Art and I would make it, not because I didn't want that to be the case. It's just there's a big difference between restoration and reconciliation. Mm. With God, restoration, because of his redemption, is always possible. But that's a vertical relationship between us and God. Reconciliation really does require two people both being willing to humble themselves and do the hard work individually before then doing the work to come back together. So, you know, there were large sections of time where I was just pursuing redemption with God so that God could redeem my heart, my life, my purpose, my calling, um, redeem, you know, my ability to forgive and to move on. Um, but that redemption with God at different points of our journey did not look like it was gonna include reconciliation mm-hmm. with art. Mm-hmm. And I think that distinctive is is
0: important to make for people. Yeah. For oh, sure.
1: Definitely. <laughs> I think so too.
0: Definitely. And and that's the other one too. In the church, it's assumed, you know, well, well, I guess you'll just you'll work it out together. Or or it's it's not you know, I have to ask that question too. A lot of times when people find out one spouse has cheated on the other, there's this assumption, well, you have to get divorced now. I mean, it's 2019 or it's 2018 or whatever it was. You have to, you know, you're a woman and you're a proud woman. You're an ambitious woman. You're a strong woman. And therefore, if this happens, then you have to get divorced. Did you ever feel that pressure from either within the church or without the church or within your friend circle?
1: Yeah, it was funny. I I felt pressure on both sides. You know, I felt Mm. pressure. Some people felt like there should be no option to ever get back together. I still have some family members today that don't talk to me because I chose to forgive Art and be um, reconciled with him. But then I felt pressure on the other side, you know, where there's big camps of people who, you know, felt like divorce shouldn't be an option and you know i just decided not to stand in any particular camp but just to surround myself with people who i knew were praying more words for me than they were speaking to me or about me Amen. because awesome. i
2: need to hear from god you yeah. know that's what i really needed
0: yeah wow and there is a grieving process when you do lose people that are like oh well, we think you chose wrong therefore we won't be a part of your life anymore that's a really hard it makes your decision even harder because you feel like you're doing exactly what God's calling you to do. And sometimes you don't even know. It's just like, I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm not 100% sure. And both sides aren't making it any easier. And so I love how you chose to keep certain people around you that speaking words for you, not to you. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, and, you know, you have to always remember, you got to let people have their own journey. You know, whenever yeah. someone takes a really strong stand. Sometimes it's because of conviction, but more times it's because of their own unattended to brokenness. And so you can just have grace for them. I mean, they got to have their own journey and that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't feel bitter towards those people, but I do have a lot of compassion for those who walked away um, because they couldn't stand the thought of me forgiving art and being back together with them. I have a lot of compassion because what it really, it speaks more about their heart than my heart. I mean, yeah. it's it's really just a need for grace for their unattended to brokenness that they still have to deal with. So I can just have compassion for that. Wow, Lacey,
2: yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's keep going. Let's dive in. What's that been like? Because you're not just dealing with an affair; you're dealing with with addiction. Um, I have a full addictive personality, so I know that side of things. And our producer knows that. You know, if I start just shoveling sugar into my mouth, everyone around me that knows me well is like, oh. Are you having a good day? And it's like, nope, having a terrible day. It's awful. I feel like, you know, you feel so terrible inside and it causes you to do things that also, I feel guilty, I feel ashamed when I eat that much sugar. Uh, You know, I feel better than going into an addictive substance or another addictive substance, but I still feel so much shame. How did you guys deal with all of those things at the same time?
1: Well, we had to get outside help. It wasn't going to be possible to just isolate ourselves and hope that things Mm. would get better because that's just not the way it happens. I mean, (laughs) I know if the enemy can isolate us, he can influence us. And that's where people get in real trouble. So we had to, we had to get outside counsel. And so we found a really good counselor in Colorado. His name is Michael Kusick. He runs a ministry called Restoring the Soul. Oh, yeah. And he was tremendous. And he deals specifically with some of the specific addictions that were part of what needed to be healed from with art, but then also helping me understand, you know, what to do, because that, that was the biggest thing for me. I just did not know what to do. And you know, whenever you have an addict, you, an addict usually needs someone to enable them. And, you know, unfortunately, I just, I didn't realize that some of what I thought was good mm-hmm. was actually enabling. So mm-hmm. he helped us untangle a lot of that. And the beautiful thing about counseling is you can almost like lay your issues down, not in the middle of a heated battle but in a way for true self examination, you can talk about things when the emotions aren't so high and it seems less personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it seems more. Um, logical in yeah. those situations. And so he was a tremendous counselor. And then Art and I also had to get individual counselors yeah. to help yes. us work on ourselves, because it'd be easy for me to point my finger at Art and say, you know, well, he was the one with the addiction. He was the one with the affair. But the reality is I had some stuff to work on, too. And it right. became a good journey of healing for
0: both of us. Wow, that's so important. We always talk about getting a third party. You know, when you're in a situation where you feel like you just can't get over those hurdles, when there's just roadblocks in front of you that you can't see around, a third party really can be one of the best things.
2: Totally, and a third party's helping. Lisa, why do you think so many people are not talking about this? Because I know most of the phone calls I get and most of the phone calls my husband gets are phone calls are related around these issues, either addiction or affairs? I mean, those are our number one calls.
0: Addiction, pornography, affairs.
2: Those, That's... That, those are the three calls we get. And we don't um, hear
0: anybody talking about it
2: anywhere. I mean, a, a little bit, like here and there, like it will be a, a snippet. But why do you think, in your, in your, because you're in the field now, you're out there talking about it? Why do you think people aren't talking about it?
1: Well, I think people aren't talking about it because it's messy and it's embarrassing. And, Mm. you know, shame is one of Satan's greatest tactics. Mm. You know, there's a lot of shame that's wrapped up in a situation like this. But I found in stepping forward and talking about it and opening up the dialogue within churches, it's giving permission for people to consider talking about it themselves. And Mm. it's not that we want to talk about it and process the details and and use it you know to feed the rumor mill it's almost like I've discovered stepping out and talking about it instead of feeding the shame around the situation it it fuels freedom and you know I guess Art and I have decided that we're gonna we're gonna be first like we'll step out and talk about it first and um you know it it does break my heart I mean I am in churches. Right now I'm on a tour, so right now I'm in a different church, a different city, every single day. Um, The number of pastors that have come to me with complete broken hearts, tears streaming down their faces, um, because they themselves are suffering through some version of this. And then I can stand up in front of a crowd of a thousand people, and I can look out there, and the the way that people just, the tears are falling, and I think... We have got to open up the dialogue to have healthy, God-honoring conversations about this where we're pulling people into the scriptures and helping them, helping Mm -hmm. them know what to do. Because if we don't talk about it, then there's no way that we can deal with it. And If you never deal with the issue, you can never heal from the issue. So Mm -hmm.
0: it's crucial. Yeah, oh, I totally. I was going to ask if the floodgates just opened up. Yeah, you know that's when Laura and I talk about anything like this, we start getting flooded with phone calls or emails. Or if we go to a church, you know, and I mention addictive personality, I get tons of people afterwards that are like, "Really? You know, there's how, just a line of people. How can you people. say that? You know, well." It's because it's true. I was born this way. I didn't choose it to be this way. I was born this way, and it's my struggle, and it's a constant one, and so we just have to keep talking about it. What do you suggest those first steps are for those that are out in the audience or for the pastors that are talking to you that are just like, if I mention this, if I bring this up, if this comes to Mm -hmm. life, my life is over. That's it's what we all think. Everything's
2: unravel. <laughs> Everything is,
0: I mean, I'll lose my job. I'll lose my congregation. I'll lose my friends. I'll lose my family. What are my kids going to say? And there's so much shame involved in that. What's the first step to say you've got to take a step? You've got to at least, you know, get out there a little bit. Well,
1: number one, I would say you have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes I think the hardest person to be honest with is yourself. Mm-hmm. And you've got to stop believing the lie that if I don't deal with it, it'll just naturally get better because that's not true. We are as sick as our secrets. And so we need to make sure that we're being honest with ourselves first off. And the second thing, you know, your fears may or may not be justified. You know, your fear that you're going to, you could possibly, if you come out and seek help for this issue, your fear that you might lose um, your job, your ministry, whatever, That may be true, and you do have to face that reality. But here's the deal. If you keep it secret, it will eventually get exposed. And if it gets exposed with you denying it and running away from it, the chances of you losing your ministry, your integrity, Mm -hmm. it's so much greater Mm -hmm. than if you are the one who in honesty steps out and says, I need help. People, It's interesting. People's response to... Anything that I guess could lean in the direction of secret scandal or whatever, if you notice, people who hide from it, deny it, and let the rumor mill just take over their life while they're running from it. The public has no patience for that, but people have Mm -hmm. great patience for people who step out in honesty and say, I have an issue and I need help. That's where you find compassion. That's where you find healing. And that's your only chance to save your ministry, your family, your integrity, because we've got to walk the road of honesty. And yes, it may be hard. And yes, there will be consequences. And yes, you may lose some things. But you have a much greater chance of seeing all of that redeemed if you walk the pathway of honesty. It's in the light where healing and hope and help can be found. Keeping things in darkness and living in secrecy, that is certain death. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, for sure. Do you think that it needs to be like a a public thing? Or I've been around long enough to where it seems like some people get some help just with a couple closed mouth friends. And that they walk yeah, through their journey you know, just with, like, three, four people, and it gets really messy, and sometimes couples leave them as they're walking it out. And I was just wondering your distinction between that,
1: because I know you've gone public. I just was curious. Yeah, well, like I said at the beginning of of this, you have to determine your own threshold for vulnerability, you know? Yeah. And that's going to be dependent on so many factors. There's no way to put a blanket statement on this. You know, okay. for some people yeah. coming into the light may be like you said, between them and their pastor and their counselor and, you know, a few close friends. I mean, you, you don't want to invite the weight of public opinion into your very private cool. pain. Amen. Baby, do not. Soon. You know, I mean, I did keep our struggle completely private for 18 months, and I did exactly what you're saying. It was just our pastor and a few close friends and two counselors that knew about it. Mm. But right. our situation was a little bit different because we hit a point 18 months in where art wasn't getting better. The rumor mill was starting to kick up, and I had to make a choice. Either I was going to step out and get ahead of the story and lead with truth, or the rumor mill was going to tell the story. Either way, yeah. we were yeah. living too public of lives for us to even have the luxury to keep it contained. And so, you know, you have to know your own threshold for vulnerability. But make no mistake, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is for us to keep our mouth shut and never share a good testimony, okay. a good word about the power of God. I mean, we're told in Revelation that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you also have to keep that in mind. There is power in helping people see that God's still moves mountains, that God still works miracles, that God still is in the business of restoration. There's power in that. There's huge power in that.
0: Huge, huge power in that. You know, talk about that period where you decided, you know what, I've got to go public. What was that like between you and Art just to say, hey, listen, the rumor is out of control and we're just going to go public?
1: Well, it was devastating because at that point, Art had cycled back to, you know, a bad place. And it was hard, but we had written it out, you know, the steps to restoration and um mm-hmm. there were consequences for him cycling back mm-hmm. into some of those choices. And one of the consequences was that, you know, if this cycles back into our life, this is what will be stated publicly. He knew it. We had talked about it. And the night before My blog went out um, telling people what we were walking through, just some of the basics of, you know, the devastation. I called Art and read him the blog so that he had the opportunity to hear it before anyone else. Mm -hmm. He already knew very much that this was going to be a consequence of what we'd already agreed upon. And I also went to each of my kids and made sure that, you know, they knew the full scope. We had counselors involved, but I will say The minute that that blog went live, I felt like life had just been sucked out of me because all those fears, you know, not just Mm. the fear of of public opinion in our private pain, but you know, the devastation, my kids were walking through extreme heartbreak. I was personally walking through extreme Mm. heartbreak and then thinking this is probably going to be the end of everything I know. You know, the family we've worked so hard to build, the marriage that I loved, and the ministry that I worked on day in and day out. You know, mm. so it didn't just feel like an announcement. It felt like the end of everything. Yeah. Right.
0: I, I can oh. totally understand that. I do want to say that I, I think it's so important and it's such a key point that you had written all these steps out because some people could look at that and be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that you, you know, all of a sudden you're going through counseling, you've got your two counselors and you've got this other group counselor and then you just put them on blast and it's like, no, 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 early on we had all these things written. It's not cold hearted, it's not callous, it's not spur the moment, it's not done in anger, it's yeah. done in, hey... We wrote all this out. This is what we agreed to. You knew this would happen. I'm so sorry. These are the steps we have to take since we wrote this out. And had you not, it goes back to the early part of the broadcast, that would be very, very enabling. Had you not followed through with those steps, had you not put that blog out, had you not been vulnerable, it's really enabling to keep him in that dark place. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I will say, you know, this isn't a template like, you know, I think sometimes people Mm -hmm. go, well, tell me, you know, what the plan was. Well, you know, every situation is different and there are layers of complications Mm -hmm. and nuances in everyone's story. So I wouldn't say like my story is a template, but what I will say is you will always have to manage the tension between when to give grace and when to establish tough love. Mm -hmm. And that is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. I can't give you a template when to give grace and when to, you know, exercise tough love. But I do know that both were required in my journey. Yeah, for
2: sure.
0: Oh, for sure. Well,
2: and I love that you said it's not a template because I think every journey can get a little messy, and that each one has its individual story that gets told. But I love that you keep on just saying being in the light and letting people speak into your lives. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you you allowed, you are humble enough to allow other people in your life to walk you through this journey.
1: Yeah, because it's crucial to keep pressing into God. You know, if yeah. I gave people, here's the plan of what you need to do if you're in this situation, people would follow the plan, but they would stop following God. Yep, yep. And you know, that's really crucial for people, especially in devastating situations, to press in, not just to seek answers from God, but to seek daily direction from God. And we always Mm. have to remember, you know, God doesn't want to be explained away. He wants to be invited in. That's what it means to have a relationship with him. And that's why we've got to press into him.
0: Mm, I love that. Absolutely. That's the other one, too, with the template. It's, You know, that's the, you know, in in parenting, we call that the A plus B equals C parenting. And we don't believe in those books. We don't believe in those marriage books either, where, you know, if you gave people a template of, listen, if you follow these steps, you're going to go straight back into being married and you're going to have reconciliation, you're going to have redemption, all these things that'll happen if you just follow these steps. And that doesn't work. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. But you're also giving people hope if they press into God, if they do You know, if they keep doing that, then there is hope for them in the future.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. And, you know, I also think we have to remember not to attach our hope to certain outcomes.
0: As humans,
1: we're very attached to outcomes. And so something hard happens and we know God can work good from it. And so we like to run ahead of God and start writing out the script of the good that should surely come from this. But, you know, and then we try to hold God accountable to the good of our own making. Mm. But what we have to remember is that God is good at being God. He's the one that has a plan and it will be good, but it probably won't feel good or seem good to you in moments along the journey. So we just have to trust there will be eventual good, but we can't get attached to outcomes of our own making because our God is not that predictable and God sees things. That we don't
0: see, he knows things we don't know, and that's where trust comes. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So
2: I know we have to get going off the show, but I just wanted to ask, what would you say to someone who's just coming out and just, just starting this journey and just found out that their husbands had an affair or their wives had an affair? What would you say to this couple? What's some
1: when they come to you? Well, I wish I could sit down individually with them and hold their hand and look across the table and weep with them and say, I understand. Because one of the scariest parts of this whole journey is feeling absolutely, utterly alone. And honestly, that's why I wrote my book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, because I knew I wouldn't be able to have those individual conversations with thousands, maybe millions of people. And so I wrote this book so that they could have something in their hands to feel like that there's a friend who gets it, who understands. Mm. And, you know, when I wrote this book, I didn't envision a crowd of people. I envisioned that one person sitting there in the middle of their own Mm. deep devastation crying. And it's my way of just taking my heart and putting it right on the table for them so that they can feel like not only are they not alone, but that they'll know how to take the first few steps. And that's really what the book is is all about. Oh, my
0: goodness. Mm, Well, it's a beautiful book. Thank you so much. I mean, really, words won't do justice, the gratitude that we express to you, Mm -hmm. because we get this all the time, and now we've got another resource, another person to point to to say, listen, you can go through this. It is possible. You don't have to get divorced. That's one of the things we say here. You don't have to. You can, and sometimes it's necessary, and sometimes we believe in that, and that gets us in trouble, too, but you don't have to every single time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm thankful in the state of North Carolina, you are required to be physically separated, not living in the same house for an entire year before you can even file for divorce. And I'm thankful for that because a lot can happen in a year. And the best piece of advice I give to people is your story may end in reconciliation and your story may end in divorce. I don't know that, but what I do know is leave room for God to work Mm -hmm. and let God, I unfold and that's really, really important.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much, Lisa. Thank my goodness, it's been a joy. We really do appreciate you.
1: Well, thank you guys. Thank you for the important work that you're doing and God bless you both. You God too. We'd love you. to have you
0: back on again.
1: Thank you. That'd be an honor. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day. You, you too. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Oh my goodness. I love bold, vulnerable, honest helpful people. And Lisa is at the top of our list. Wow. I could have her on any time of the day. What an amazing, amazing woman. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. Don't forget to check out The Voice of the Martyrs at Persecution.com. And if you're looking for a pillow, we suggest MyPillow, MyPillow.com, code word REBEL, for a discount on a four-pack of pillows. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you next time.
2: Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.